On today's episode, I interview Chris for another Run Smarter success story. Welcome to the Run Smarter podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I am a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. I've been listening to your feedback and yes, I know a lot of people are loving these success stories and so I'll try my best to keep my ears open for more success stories um, in the works for the future. Um, In Chris's case, he reached out to me via email um, just to say thanks for the podcast and the the lessons that he has implemented and what he's just learned on the podcast and the benefits that's come along with it. And so I suggested, hey, how about you come on to the podcast and share your story? And um, it was a great, great chat. It was good to see these, uh, every episode that I have and the the lessons are actually having true impact on people. And I know we need to try to spark some positivity on the internet when it comes to people dealing with injuries and there is a silver lining, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and these lessons um, do have real impact. So it was great to get Chris's side of things and um, you guys are about to hear it now. So he was an excellent person to interview. He did fantastic and I'm excited to share it with you today. So let's dive in. Let's kick it off. So Chris, welcome to the Run Smarter podcast. Thanks for joining me. No, happy to be here. I think um, there's a lot, I get a lot of feedback when it comes to success stories and a lot of people want more of them. A lot of people are just like scrolling through the feed and just looking for those success stories to kind of binge on those. So I'm glad that you've reached out and um, said that you've found success listening to the podcast. And thanks for agreeing um, to my idea to get you to come on and share your story. Happy to. Yeah. So let's um, give you a bit of an introduction. So let people know who you are, where you're from, and what type of runner you, you say you are. <laughs> So I'm Chris, I'm from Munich, originally from the north of Germany, but now living in Munich. Um, As a runner, I've been running since 2009, Uh, started due to a heartbreak, became marathon runner, got bored of marathon running, now doing a bit of ultra marathon. And at the moment, experimental running, running, because there are no runs at the moment, so I have to creative to motivate myself mm-hmm. what got you first involved in running um, my girlfriend broke up at the time and uh, I had a lot of time at my hand that needed to do something with it so uh, running seemed to be a good way of getting me out of my cave and into the mm-hmm. world and uh, 
well, after a couple of weeks, I decided to have a goal. So half a marathon seemed good and that worked out. So I decided I needed another goal. So another marathon was coming that way. So I did that. And so it basically developed and, <laughs> uh, well, just do the running now to, to motivate myself to do something or get out if the weather is bad or there's a town I haven't seen and there's a marathon I could do. So combining things. It's, it seems like the natural progression for a lot of runners is just to find the half marathon, do that, then do a marathon and then just challenge yourself to bigger distances. Um, and you also mentioned in your email that you're mainly a minimalist shoe type of runner. What made you um, invest in that type of approach? I promised a friend to do a marathon with her and her goal was six hours. So I needed something to slow me down. And um, well, five fingers was something I wanted to try on for years. So I wow. did and it it slowed me down a bit, but not to six hours. So I, I <laughs> continued doing that and I really enjoy that because it's keeping me in the moment. If you dream too much, it hurts. So, okay. Yeah, great to know. And I know we're going to talk about your injury in a second around your ankle, but prior to that injury, had you had any major injuries or any major setbacks while you were doing these marathons and ultra marathons? Nope. In the first year, I, I had a niggle in my knee, but that went away and it was just there when I did 30k training runs. But apart from that, so far, uh, knock on wood, no issues. Okay. And looking back on your training at the time that your injury um, arose, did you notice any abrupt changes in your training or can you pinpoint anything in your training that might have caused this injury to spark up? Uh, yes. Um, so last year in March, I think everyone dropped their running routine. So did I. And in April, I had the feeling that it wasn't two or four weeks that we had to wait for. So um, I thought, no race coming this year. Let's do some experimentation. I extended my running. I did two week, uh, two days a week running at least once a week, starting with April. So I came up to six or even seven training sessions per week, uh, getting up to half a marathon at least once a week. So um, the load, the overall load seemed to be a lot. And at some point I just had that consistent niggle in my left ankle and uh, it didn't really improve like everything else does if you just wait a bit or reduce the load it just stayed consistently and uh, it devolved from there mm. could you explain maybe exactly where in the ankle you're starting to notice pain uh, yes it, it's that um, that knob on the uh, outside of, of my ankle. So around there, um, basically, if I have to do it exactly, it's uh, on the backside, going down a bit before it's um, moving forward. So um, if I uh, if I move my my finger around that knob, it starts really at the back and or started and um, moved around. Mm. And for those who aren't not familiar, there's actually some tendons that run behind that bony ridge and 
can be subjected quite a lot to to running loads. And if you're talking about an increase in running mileage and then there started to become a, a sore area around that part of the ankle, um, would you say that was it starting to affect you outside of running as well or would there only just be symptoms during a run? In the beginning, it it just affected my running. So if there was was load, it was it was there. And uh, the longer it took, so a couple of months later, it was there during the day. So um, it it mirrored itself to the inside of uh, the ankle, and at some point, I could feel some stiffness in uh, the ankle in front of my foot. So. Um, basically did the whole round from uh, left to front to inside. And um, I think, when was it? September, August, um, when when I was sitting for a while and stood up, my, my ankle started clicking. Like there was, like if you, um, uh, if, um, what's the word? Um, if you crack your knuckles, something like mm-hmm. that for the first few steps and, um, it got worse after a few weeks. Okay. What was your initial approach to overcome this injury? And I guess, were you listening to the podcast at the time or did that come later? It came sometime in the middle. So I started, I think around June to listen to the podcast, mm-hmm. um, it, took me some time to read the boom bust cycle because at that point I was in my boom bust cycle. Um, my initial approach was let's back off. No more half marathon training runs, reduce the amount of runs, but still going for a run. Um, if as soon as that didn't improve it uh, fast, so after two or three weeks, um, I decided let's go out, buy some new shoes. Um, the automatic approach of every runner, there's something wrong with my shoes. Um, let's buy some new ones. And, um, I was in the shop and they told me, oh, your right ankle looks really bad. It's falling inside. You need to have supportive shoes. And I was rolling my eyes, but yeah, let's go with that. Maybe it helps. And of course it didn't help. Um, so I, um, started running with those shoes less and less. And at some point, I think in September, late August, maybe I stopped running to decide to, to give my ankle a bit of uh, time to heal and rest. And uh, well, from there, it just went downhill. So your first approach was, okay, let's take some time off running. And then when mm-hmm. that came time, maybe, did symptoms start to settle and then you went back into running then symptoms would spark up again and that repeated that kind of boom bust cycle? No, it got worse. So uh, okay. I think for two or three days it got better, but after that, that clicking when I stood up was there half the time when I was walking. So uh, it felt weird. It felt like my ankle was um, trying to fall off my leg. Okay. That, uh, that... It, it's the best analogy that I can come up with. It was just um, wobbly to to walk on that ankle, and the longer I was sitting down, or when I was crossing my legs and the ankle was hanging, it just got worse. And the not 
going for a run also gave me took every um, uh, mental outlet that I had away from me. So I was there with my injury and uh, Mm. swimming in my own juices, so to say. Yeah, uh, it's a big frustration that a lot of runners have, especially when... Just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five-day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign-up link is in the show notes, so fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. It's a big outlet for them uh, mentally to, mm-hmm. to get out and run almost every day. And then when people are injured, that, that, that once outlet is now gone and they don't have any other alternative, it can get, people can get really stuck. And like I say, it's, it's a physical um, limitation, but it's also mentally uh, impacting people, negatively impacting people when they can't run. And so you've had this experience going to the shoe store, uh, they said that your ankle is rolling in and it's uh, causing a lot of damage. And so you require this supportive shoe. And you said um, you're a bit skeptical at the time anyway, but decided to give it a go and found that didn't work. So uh, did you have any backup options? Did you have any, um, like, were you running out of options? You stopped running altogether. Was, was there a way forward? Were you being proactive in any other way to, to heal this? Um, I went to a podiatrist in end of October, I think that was my last resort because I didn't find anything else I could do. I have, um, a sports doctor I can go to, but I had the feeling he wouldn't be of a lot of help because basically he is, um, a trainer, so to say he, he does my checkup if I'm, if I'm, uh, if I have to produce something for a run, but um for for any injury i had the feeling i had to go to a podiatrist so i scheduled a meeting with one and um well (laughs) i went there uh, with the least amount of hope that i could have Um, he came in looking like a runner in trail running shoes um, asking me what my problem was and i told him well it probably is an overuse injury due to the amount of um, training that I'm doing now. Um, and we discussed what kind of training and he said, what are you doing? Ultra marathon running? Oh, I'm not really a runner. So my hopes tanked there. Yeah. Um, uh, that was not really what he should have said at that point. <laughs> um, he ordered me to stand up. Um, had a look at my knees, at my ankles, at my feet, and told me, you have flat feet, your ankles are rolling in, you have uh, an O in your legs, nothing new for me. And uh, he told me, well, you definitely will have to wear insoles as you're 40 now, and uh, your ankles will start to wear out at that point. And um, that was a bummer, because I know that's certainly wrong. The, the joints will not wear out just because I used them. Actually, the opposite is, is the case. So I was disappointed. But um, he told me, we're getting an MRI. That was giving me some hopes because then at least something objective would uh, happen. And uh, I got an appointment and they they checked my, my ankle. Unfortunately, I didn't get the um, 
di diagnosis from them. So I had to go back to that doctor and um, he had a look at the diagnosis, um, looked at me, told me, you have to wear insoles. We are giving you um, a supportive sleeve that you will have to wear, but you will never run without insoles anymore. And um, I was smiling at him. Uh, nodding because I knew at this point discussing with him that this is all bogus would not really uh, lead to anything. Um, but at least he gave me um, the CD with the images and the diagnosis so I could Google it myself. And um, that's basically what I did. It took me a while to get through Google with all this um, mumbo jumbo in medical terms. It sounds like German, but it definitely is not German <laughs> what they've written down. And um, what that told me that was that um, there is an edema on my, uh, oh my God, uh, peroneal um, tendon, no tendinopathy. Um, there is a small inflammation at the front of my ankle and um, there is no overuse of my um, ankles, no overuse of my bones, no overuse of my tendons. So basically, apart from a small inflammation and a bit of edema, everything seemed to be fine. Um, All right. <clears throat> so I've got a couple of questions. What made you wise to the fact that uh, it wasn't your ankles rolling in? Why didn't you buy into what the podiatrist was saying or what the, um, the, um, specialist was saying, Did, was it, was it the podcast or was it just something that you just came across, um, as general knowledge? Oh, it was first of all, the podcast. And apart from that, I thought he seemed to have missed the point of the minimalist ultra marathon runner. So no cushioning when you're on the trail, meaning everything that you have, have after a few years will definitely get worse. Mm. But um, you always said in your podcast that um, the insults will definitely not help to resolve anything that has been there before and will be there afterwards. So okay, um, yeah, because there has, um, in my opinion, like sometimes insoles or orthotics can be beneficial, but, and can be beneficial to reducing pain, but is a short term option. It's not your ankles rolling in. It's not the alignment It's not wear and tear. It's due to just like temporarily offsetting some load to the tissues, but then slowly progressing back or like weaning off those orthotics or getting back to running without those orthotics is where like real resilience lies. And I guess listening to your story, it only just takes a bit of um, clinical reasoning to know here's a runner who's done several like marathons, ultra marathons, running at a really high mileage without anything breaking down. He's been very successful for a lot of years. And then it's only due to this lockdown training six, seven times a week, this obvious increase in mileage has produced this um these symptoms. It's only just, it's directly correlated to an increase in mileage. It's not due to the, uh, the f posture of the foot or the ankles rolling in because you've run like that for the last, you know, since 2009. And, uh, it's only just a little bit of reasoning like that, which would suggest that the management should be entirely different. 
Um, so I'm kind of happy that you're wise to the fact straight away because a lot of time this language that is used and the diagnosis that's used and the prognosis saying, you know, you're always going to have to wear insoles for your entire life if you just if you want to keep running. Otherwise, your feet are going to collapse in, your ankles are going to wear out. That type of language and that um, approach that a lot of runners are told can be very detrimental, very disempowering. But um, I'll assume that because you're wise to the fact and considering otherwise that it didn't really have much effect on you, or would you um, would you disagree with that? Oh, no, no, I totally agree with that. I actually have a friend in Melbourne who told me a couple of weeks afterwards that uh, he always have to has to run with insoles because he can't do it otherwise anymore. His uh-huh. doctor told him so. And I was uh, actually giving him um, your podcast, but I don't know if he ever listened to <laughs> it. Uh, if he would have, he would have known that that's actually BS. Okay. So uh, the MRI results for those who aren't familiar with the medical side of things. So the perineal tendon is exactly where you were describing that pain at the back of the, the bony prominence. Um, that's exactly where that tendon goes and can assist in producing force when you push off when you run. And so that could potentially be what's overloaded and the MRI has shown there's a bit of edema there, which is just another word for saying a bit of swelling. Uh, and if there's another little bit of swelling or edema in the ankle joint itself, that can produce the sensation of a lot of stiffness and a lot of clicking, exactly what you were describing. Um, but like you said, there's no structural um, no structural findings. There's no like cartilage damage or there was no bony sort of uh, damage that they might find or might um, identify on an MRI. Um, okay, so once you've realized this, um, once you've had the MRI done, gone through the, the findings and you're still getting the advice to wear insoles, um, how have you, what decisions did you make to kind of proactively return to running and like kind of have the start the the journey, start the path to rehab. Uh, He told me that I should start running beginning of January. So I took it, his advice um, and waited a few more weeks. I got the insoles, but I only used them in my normal day to day shoes. And I took the sleeve, which seemed to help because basically it was pulling my foot together, so no more clicking. Um, But in November, I started to get anxious and uh, it didn't get any better because basically I didn't do anything to make it better. And um, I started running. I took my my shortest route, which is about 6K and um, did the slowest run I've ever done outside of a competition. like you say, uh, it has to be embarrassingly slow, and it was embarrassing running, I don't know, seven minutes uh, to a kilometer where I do five normally, um, and just twice a week, three times a week, um, going on, going on, and it was still there. So um, I, I found some some advice in Google. I did some Theraband um, training, pulling my my foot to myself, um, 
pulling something with my foot, uh, pulling my my ankle to the right, to the left, just to strengthen um, the the structure. I bought a wobble board where I'm standing on during meetings in my home office for some hours, um, and I'm doing calf raises and lower calf raises. Um, just to strengthen everything that's around there. So the calf muscle, the ankle, the foot itself. And um, uh, what I normally do, um, I just walk around barefoot at home. That's a, a lot of things to implement. You've got calf raises, you've got the wobble board, you've got the TheraBand exercises, you've got barefoot walking around the house, and then you have slow running like deliberate slow running three times a week. And um, at what stage, you said that running was still like painful. At what stage did you start to notice that what you were doing was working? Oh, that took a couple of months. I think earliest in March, it got better. So of course it gets better slowly. But every morning waking up, uh, the first few steps were always a bit painful. Um, but it took until I think March when I noticed that the pain was still there, but not that prominent. And the running after a kilometer or so was normal. So I didn't feel anything particular, except if I did something wrong or I, I twisted my ankle. But um, after a couple of months, I did feel some improvement, not major improvement, but slowly getting there. And my thought was, you gave it half a year to get there and get worse. So at least half a year to a year has to be there to improve um, whatever is broken mm. or well. Uh, and while you were running, you said that there was still pain. Um, as you're doing it three times a week and going week by week, was pain staying like were baseline symptoms staying the same or was it getting slightly worse when you very first started introducing some running? Uh, I think the symptoms itself continued the way they were. Um, the, the outside of the anchor at some point was gone during running. There was no pain on the inside. There was, and um, the stiffness in front of my ankle was there for at least until March, uh, until April, I think. So it continued for quite some time. Um, and I got down from a four out of 10 to two or three out of 10. So the improvement was there, but um, the symptoms themselves, even though getting less and less slowly, were still basically the same. Mm. And during your, like, as we emailed back and forth prior to this, you made kind of a list of the insights he had while listening to the podcast. Um, so one of them was being that the insoles or orthotics and stuff don't really help with foot posture or don't really help for the, the long term. Um, the second one you wrote was avoiding that boom bust cycle, which you said you went through prior to the MRI and prior to seeking help. And a few other insights being strengthening the importance of strengthening the importance of running slow um, flare-ups are normal and um, keeping like a, increase the intensity slowly and I have a, a question around the flare-up side of things during how mm -hmm. you noticed that it took like several months for the symptoms to 
start, you know, reducing or having a noticeable impact. Were there any sparks or any peaks in flare-ups or symptoms during that time as you were slowly introducing the running? Oh, yes. I think it was three or four times I had a flare-up after a run. Um, one was particularly bad three weeks ago where I twisted my ankle because I didn't want to face palm downhill. Um, so, yeah, there was definitely some flare-up, especially in the morning mm -hmm. afterwards. And um, I basically had to accept that. The one where I twisted my ankle, I taped it just for a day to give it some time to rest and avoid not walking anywhere. So, um, But the flare-up itself is nothing you said in your past podcast that I should be concerned about. So I didn't. I just accepted that as something that happens and that is bound to happen. And um, it feels weird and it hurts at that time. But I knew um, beforehand it does happen. I have to accept that. So I did. I just continued whatever I wanted to do. I just waited for a day or two until the flare was uh, Yeah, over. it's it's a very proactive approach. And at least there's a bit of reassurance there knowing that this is just a normal part of the process. And as long as if you've done something obviously too much or maybe you've ran too far and there is a flare up there, then it's learning, okay, this is a part of the mm -hmm. process. Yes, flare ups are normal, but learning from that process as well and knowing that, okay, maybe right now doing that distance, intensity, terrain, whatever that flare-up might be, is just another learning experience moving forward. If you, When you were starting your three times a week at this embarrassingly slow speed, um, was it still satisfying or was it still um, creating a positive impact for you mentally? Were you still getting that mental release? Was it um, enjoyful? Was it, were you getting enjoyment of continuing to run or were you still frustrated and not getting that mental release because you weren't running at the speed that you wanted to oh, it was amazing i i hadn't been running for months at that time i think three months or so i didn't do any running and i missed it so running slowly was still running and uh, getting out enjoying the rain and the snow and all the people that uh, did go out and I was just smiling for half an hour while running. There was no um, no problem with being slow if I could be running at mm. that point. And we know that the road to recovery is a, a mental battle as well as it is physical. And mm -hmm. to hear that, to hear, okay, I could be stewing in my own like negative emotions, not running and being so um, down at myself and not exercising and feeling lazy and feeling unproductive and, um, you know, focusing on the pain a lot. Whereas the alternative is to be running and being in a little bit of pain. But like you say, if you're smiling, if you're getting out in the fresh air, if you're actually getting some exercise done, if you're releasing those endorphins, that the mental side of things when it comes to recovery can have a huge impact. And so, with that, um, with that outcome, with that approach that you're taking, where are you at with your recovery now? What are symptoms like, and what are your, what's your mileage? What have you built up to? 
The pain is still there, but I'm down to one or two out of ten. Uh, on Monday, I did a 30k run, where after about 20k, I could still feel it. So I used that just to did some experimentation. I did some mindful running, and while I was mindful, I didn't feel anything. And when my thoughts went to my ankle, I felt it. So um, I knew that uh, it was just... Uh, most of it was in my head. I, I just had to get out of that thought process. Oh, it's there. It might be wrong. It might be broken. I might make it worse. So it just continued running and enjoyed the birds around me. Um, and um, I think I'm at 60k a week at the moment, um, trying to get um, further because I have two races coming this year and I want to be prepared. Uh, one I'm attempting for the third time and this time I definitely don't want to return afterwards. So uh, I need to get there. But um, I, uh, I'm fine with what I have. If it takes another year to get everything uh, done, I'm fine with that because I know that it will get better. I will not be there with me my whole life. It's not something that I have to consider broken permanently, but rather something that I can improve on and can use to better myself. If, if there was an underlying issue, some weakness or some technique issue that I had in the past, um, I can strengthen myself because I know that that helps. And um, uh, I think a couple of weeks back, you had a list of what I can do to strengthen some certain areas. And I'm doing um, Bulgarian cool. splits at the moment. And uh, I'm, I'm doing some some strength training in, er in areas where I thought in the past, well, you're running. It's the legs. Just use the legs and that's it. And now I know I, I need to do some things. I need to strengthen my feet deliberately. Running minimalist doesn't do the trick alone. I need to do some training in my um, quads because I know that I will need that strength at some point. And I'm, I'm training mindful running so that uh, if there's something going wrong, I still get home. I still can... Um, massage the the pain out of it or I can still tape it if I have to um, and basically I don't have a problem in the morning I have a minute maybe the first 20 steps that are not painful so to say but mm. niggly so uh, it's like someone pressing his finger at my ankle telling me there's something wrong with you and I have to shoo that person away and just um, move on. And um, if, if there's a problem during running, I now know that um, 75, 80% of it is my in my head. So I just have to continue running maybe a bit slower or just enjoy the moment to um, get rid of that yeah. thought process. And if I, I, I'd guarantee if you were to... Um, transport back in time to when you weren't running with pain and you were to say, look, we'll, we'll be back running with, <clears throat> there'll still be some symptoms. There'll still be one or two out of 10 pain, but you're going to be running 60K weeks and you're going to be running 30K long runs. 
you'd be a hundred percent on board. You'd be like, yep, take me there. That's, that's such a good outcome based on like the, the situation you were in when you had pain and you weren't running and you're having all the MRIs done and told to wear these insoles. And, um, I think it's a fantastic outcome and it's probably a lesson for runners to, to learn, especially when it comes to tendons that a successful progression would be if you slowly build up your mileage, but symptoms stay the same. If the baseline symptoms are still stable at low amounts, like under a four out of 10, if you, if your mileage is say 15 Ks a week and you have that baseline background pain of a two out of 10, and then you slowly build up to 40 K weeks or 50 K weeks. And it's still that baseline two out of 10 pain. That's a sign that your tendon is currently tolerating that build up in, in pain. So it's a, it's a really good lesson to learn as well. If there's someone who is, or oh, oh, well, what's some words of advice that you might have for runners who are experiencing the same sort of setbacks that you have had and having the same sort of experience, you can repeat yourself because we have covered a fair bit on the episode already today. Um, what advice would you have for them? Uh, first of all, if some expert tells you that uh, you're aging and um, parts of you will wear out if you continue doing that, then um, smile at them and just go on. Um, strengthening whatever is hurting might help um, and try to to find ways of moving um, walking more I, I have a standing desk now that um, lets me work easily and um, just continue what you're used to because uh, it will get better whatever your your mind your dark side is telling you it will get better just if you'd wanted to, just if you continue mm, doing well said, Chris. All right. Um, one of the reasons why I love this, these success stories is because there's a lot of negativity out there, like on social media, on like platforms where they have these long threads of people who are injured and they're just looking for answers. They're looking for reassurance. They're looking for what's helped other people, but it just creates like a, a bit of a spiral of a whole bunch of people telling their negative kind of stories like they haven't got better they haven't recovered from injury and a lot of runners can read these threads and think that it's all doom and gloom or maybe they're always going to be like this and i know you've said on um one of the previous emails that there was kind of thoughts of maybe i'll never run ultras again and these these kind of things that really spiral out of control but what i love about these success stories is this is finally spreading some positivity and knowing that certain injuries, even if they've extended for years, even though if, you know, you're still getting pain without running, there's still the, the light at the end of the tunnel. And these things can be quite positive if we apply the right approaches, which has kind of a double impact because you've listened to the podcast and you kind of applied, you've implemented the lessons that you've learned and you've had this great positive outcome so far. And so I want to thank you for coming on. I want to thank you for sharing this story because it's not, it's not easy coming on and talking about these sort of stories, but, um, yeah, it makes a it makes the running community. It does a whole world of good. And so thanks for coming on and sharing. Oh, thank you. Because just because of you, I was able to get out of that dark cycle telling me you will never do that again because I knew that I will and that I can. 
just because it's you good to reinforce well it's that. the aim of the podcast as well and it's good to hear stories like you and people like sending out emails and um sending out like messages on social media saying that this podcast has had this positive impact because it gives me a huge passion to continue the podcast to continue um like producing more and more episodes and so yeah all right we'll finish up there well done thanks thanks again for coming on And that concludes another Run Smarter lesson. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered and proud to be a Run Smarter scholar. Because when I think of runners like you who are listening, I think of runners who recognize the power of knowledge, who don't just learn but implement these lessons, who are done with repeating the same injury cycle over and over again, who want to take an educated, active role in their rehab, who are looking for evidence-based long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes. And last but not least, who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it. I look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your Run Smarter path.